Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that he moves in your life. We're going to jump right into the word. Galatians 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he sows to his selfish, to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. When we don't lose heart, there's one thing that is certain. There's one thing that if we continue to press on that is promised in the scripture. The promise is what we have sown And if we sow in the Spirit, we will reap of the Spirit. We cannot grow weary. We cannot grow faint. We must press on because a harvest is coming. God has actually promised to multiply that that harvest in due time. It's like that story of of the man... I remember Dean DeGora shared this here. It was years ago. When, I don't even remember when he was, six years ago? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Pastor Dean DeGora shared this really amazing story, and I'm sure we've heard it. It's, it's kind of a common story, but it's like the man who moved to California. He bought a mine, and he mined because he had heard there was gold in the land. And he was mining and drilling and digging and blasting, and years went by, nothing was found. He gave, I think it was 15 years of his life to searching for these riches, digging and blasting and drilling and mining, and day by day, it's hard work. You grow tired, your hands get cut up, you're bloody, your hearing's probably gone. This man said, you know, I could at least make a small fortune by selling my land. A new traveler comes by with hopes that the same man had. He had heard that there was gold in the land. So he bought this man's land. Lo and behold, three feet was left before the vein of gold was found. 
this man had sold the land to a newcomer from Colorado. He digs three feet and hits the gold. Three feet. We might be three feet away from the harvest that we've been sowing into. I had some close friends over just a couple weeks ago. Some close friends that we've been in community with since I've been saved. And we sat down at my table and we were talking about the years we interned together. We were in ministry. We went to every rally and every call and every crazy worship service that was available. It's like, let's go. These were the, the people that we run with. And we were sitting there having a conversation of, like, we've been contending for 15 years for revival. It's been a long time, Lord. I know that you've had these conversations with the Lord too, just like I have. God, it's been a long time. Some of you have been contending for 30 years. Some of you have been contending for 40 years for the Bay Area. Since you can remember, since before your children were born, you've been contending and believing for a move of God that would sweep our region. You've been contending. You've been sowing. You've been planting. A few months back, when we were meeting for SVSM, I had a vision. And the vision was people on their hands and feet, tilling the soil with their own arms and hands. And they were, we have machines for that. But people can last longer than technology. People have something that burns deep inside of them to keep pushing on. It was, it was to a point where the machines were not even good enough. And the hands and the feet of a generation were on their knees in the ground, tilling the soil themselves. And they're planting seeds, scooping soil, pushing it aside, planting seeds on hands and knees. And then in a moment, sprouts, just like in the Looney Tunes. <laughs> they start popping up. Another seed planted, another seed reaped. Another seed planted, another seed reaped. Another seed planted, and another seed reaped. And this generation that was on their hands and feet looked back, and the words that came out of their mouth were this. It was all worth it. It was worth every moment. I knew it. It was worth it. It was worth every seed sown. It was worth every moment on my knees plowing. It was worth it. Do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. The heart, the harvest is certain. You know, we've been asking for revival, but I believe it is by the grace of the Lord that we have only just tasted the harvest. I believe that it's by the grace of the Lord that he is allowing us to catch up to his plan, to his story, to the perfect and grand design that he's laid out.
we as a family of Christ are, are still learning what it looks like to have the true unity of the love of Christ. We all are super familiar with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 13. <clears throat> I'm going to just kind of plow through the scripture, then I want to put a little twist on it. This is something that the Lord showed me this week. It says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I, ha- I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and feed, feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy it. Love does not boast itself. It doesn't parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that is which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest is love. And I know that as believers, we're familiar with this scripture, but I want to challenge you to read it a little bit different. Because God is love. Let's read it like this. Though I speak with tongues and men of angels, but have not Christ, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. See, I believe love is being tainted in our world. But there's one name that will never be changed. There's one name that's above every other name. And that's the name of Jesus. We say we do these things for love. And love looks like something. But to every believer, it must look like Jesus. Though I speak with tongues and men of angels, but have not Jesus, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so that I can move mountain but have not Jesus, I'm nothing. I bestow all my goods to feed the poor 
And though I give my body to be burned, but have not Jesus, it profits nothing. Jesus suffers long in his kind. Jesus doesn't envy. Jesus does not parade himself. He is not puffed up. He doesn't behave rudely. He doesn't seek his own. He's not provoked. He thinks no evil. He does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. He bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things. Jesus never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. They will fall away. But when that is which is perfect has come, then which we is in, then that which is in part is done away. And now, abide in faith, hope, and Jesus. These three, but the greatest of these is Jesus. We're living in a time where we must be very, very clear. Because it's not about a love that is accepting of all things. It's not about a love that is tainted by the world. Our love is the love of Christ. Our love that we walk in is holy, is pure, It endures all things because he did. It does not envy. It's not prideful because that's not Christ. The love that we are talking about is Jesus. The good that we do is the gospel. It is telling the good news about this love that endures to the end of the age. And that this love, this Jesus, that has came for all of us. Romans 13, 8 through 10. This is in the Passion Translation. Don't owe anyone anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And every other commandment can be summed up in these words. Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. Love makes it impossible to harm another. So love fulfills all that law requires. I believe that we are coming to a day that we must ask ourselves when all these amazing people get saved, when this great harvest happens, because we've been asking for this harvest. Where will all of these people go? Pastor Greg has asked this amazing question that I love these types of questions. How are we doing on time? Right? I don't have my countdown timer. Got five minutes? It's dim? I can't even see. Okay. I see my timer. I know kids at home are like, can I go outside and play? So... Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Got you. Let me tell you one more story 
And the story is provoked by this thought. You guys remember when Pastor Greg has asked this question. What if we, we, we come to a place where we can't meet in a building anymore? And he's referencing and referring to the persecuted church that's all over the world. Such an intriguing thought. I love these thoughts. I love these like hypothetical questions. It gets my, my brain going. And it reminds me of this story. But before that, little, little ADD break. You ready? They're not over here. But Liz and Jonathan, these guys are engaged. If you know them, Liz and Jonathan just got engaged this past week. We have a couple people. Yeah. So, but... I, I just wanted to celebrate that real quick. It's super good news. Lots of amazing things have happened, like multiple engagements. So good during this season. So I was having a conversation with Jonathan. Really amazing talk. A couple, maybe a week before last, I can't remember when. But we talked till 1030. We, we, we talked till, I think it was 10, it was late. And this was a conversation regarding the churches being closed and, and kind of the things that we've been experiencing. And it's new to us as Americans. And we're like, what the heck's going on? And by no, no means, by no means am I like for it, believe me. I love freedom, remember? If you know me, you know me. But that was a, a great conversation because Jonathan reminded me of something. When Cindy Jacobs came a couple years ago and she said, I see a great harvest is coming in those who are in the cloud. And she said, multiple services. Jonathan said, what if this is what it meant to be in a place where we have to gather in multiple locations together as the ecclesia, as we've been talking about? What if this is an answer to prayer? See, and I, I get convicted. I'm just talking hypothetically. Which camera am I supposed to look at? No, like, know that I am talking hypothetically. I'm not saying close the doors at all. Believe me. But it's a very intriguing thought that I think we should be willing to talk about. Because if hundreds of thousands or just even tens of thousands of people start getting saved, who's going to disciple these people? It's been a, a misleading thought that it's the responsibility for pastors to disciple everybody. See, we shepherd the flock, but we are all called to make disciples. We are all called to make disciples. It reminds me of this, this story of Jesus and I want us to kind of get this picture. Luke 5, and that we'll end here, and then we'll do something. I don't know. It's going to be good, though. The presence of the Lord is just is great. Jesus is chilling in a house. It says, Luke 5. Now it happened to be on a certain day he, as he was teaching that there are Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out in every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, 
And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, a man on a bed and a man who was paralyzed. A man on a bed, a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring before him. And they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the the tilling into the midst before Jesus. I want us to get a picture of revival. I've had visions and dreams of revival happening in this room. This really cool one, I shared it with our staff when we, the fragrance of the Lord filled the, the staff uh, room. Man, we just started like weeping and it was so cool. It, the, Lord, the Lord is bringing multiple layers of revival. It's not just in the church though. This happened in a house. I believe we're coming to a day and I think we're in a day think we're here, that microwaved fast food Christianity cannot cut it anymore because the church, the ecclesia was never a place for a consumer. It was the place for the consumer, the one true consuming fire. It was not a place for us just to come and get filled and get touched and have all these goosebumps and say, wow, great service. It's a place where we are to be equipped to do the work that the ecclesia was called to do. See, our paradigms are shifting, and I think it's by the grace of the Lord, because I do believe that we're coming to a day when you're going to have to preach at your house, where you're going to have to lead and disciple people, where it's not any longer a moment of you having to just come to a church service and sit and receive. But I believe that the Lord wants to create a hole in your house so that brokenness will start to come in. So much so to where the the house is so packed that people can't even walk through the front door. Can you get a vision for what revival looks like? Because it looks different than, I, than we thought. In a word that Bob Jones gave years ago, he said, the Lord is anointing homes. The Lord is anointed homes. I believe through this season, the Lord has been sifting and shifting and positioning and going and tilling the soil of our soul as we have prayed. And I know just like you, we have, you have contended and prayed just like I have for a move of God. So Lord, you have our attention. Lord, let our heads not be caught up in the cloud. The word was, there's revival coming. And those who work in the cloud would be touched. Father, we know we live in the Silicon Valley. We know where we are. 
we see the spiritual battles that go on in the hearts of everyone. The ones that were so locked within ourselves and we work in a cloud to where we can't see past what's in front of us, but we can only see ourselves. Father, I ask that you would clear the cloud, the haze, the blindness. Would you open up our eyes, God, so that we can see the needs of the nations, so that we can see the hurt and the pain and the brokenness. And would you move our feet so that we can walk in the truth, the truth of Jesus. And I'm going to end here with a little bit of direction. One thing the Lord has been cultivating in my life personally is leading my own family in worship. I have a guitar. I know how to play guitar. But I, I was never considered to myself a worship leader. The Lord convicted my heart because the one main ministry that he's put right in front of me under my household is my responsibility to lead in worship. If it's just you, then you need to lead yourself. If you have children, put on a, a CD and sing together. But I believe that in this time, we must cultivate the heart of worship in our households. That we must fill the airwaves with praises to the living God. No matter what your voice sounds like, no matter how good you are, you must start to sing. If you have a gym babe, play that gym babe. If you have a piano and only know two chords, sing a melody to that thing. It's time to start raising up ourselves to lead worship. Invite people to your house. I know you have friends, and maybe you've been like, I'm in quarantine, I can't, I can't do that. Pray about who to invite, because there's probably somebody that you can feel comfortable with. And when you gather together, read the word together. There's something about coming together with like-minded believers in physical form, not a screen, but we are not meant to be alone. When God created Adam and Eve, he said it himself, it is not good that man should be alone. He created partnership. It's not about romance. It's not about falling in love, but it's about being in love together with the common source of Christ, the true love and communing together. Now more than ever, we must read the word together. We must be in the word together.
Holy Spirit, I thank you for our body. I thank you for YouTube. I thank you for everyone who's hopped on and viewed and, and has been watching and who will watch later. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would mark them, God. I know that you've already been rocking our world. I know that you've been bringing us to a place of surrender. But God, I ask that you would grip us with the true love of Jesus. That you would mark us and make us look more like you. And to be a correct representative of a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be blessed. Give those around you a hug. Gather this week. See you guys later. Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. God bless.